Amen. Yeah. It's His blood that cleanses us. Hope we're gathered together as we pray for the children in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and we come with no righteousness of our own. Maybe we need a little sign. They used to have, you know, guns checked at the door. Check your righteousness at the door because He is the door. But it's His blood that's washing us, you know, and it can... Gathering together in His name, gathering together as the saints of God, we should be recognizing the great sacrifice and the love of God that Jesus poured out for us while we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies of God, while yet in our flesh sin dwells and we, we still fall short of God's glory in the flesh. God showed His love towards us in that He died for us, that He would redeem us. And so it's important to acknowledge that continually, lest at any time, because in the work that we're called to do, in our service to God, in our service to, the, to our neighbors, and in all the things that we're asked to do in this world, sometimes easy to forget who or why we're doing it. And other things can come in and take, take the place of why, we're in service to Je- of why we're in service here to church and why we're in service to God. And it's all because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So in everything, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone Paul lays out, there is no other foundation that can be laid other than that is which is laid, Jesus Christ and Him crucified, raised from the dead. And it's His sacrifice and blood that continually washes us from sin. And without the acknowledging of sin, without being a sinner, you couldn't get saved. So it's a good thing to be caught in need. But it's a better thing to come to the answer. used to be a bumper sticker or something or saying... Jesus is the answer. Well, what's the question? Well, you're a sinner. Who's going to wash away my sin? Who's going to cleanse me? Paul says, he asked, Paul asked the questions in Romans. Who's going to deliver me from this turmoil? Who's going to deliver me from this condemnation? Well, he answers, thanks be to God, Jesus Christ. God reveals the dilemma to us, but also solves the problem. But now that we are saved, or we're getting saved and continually being saved and being washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, what are we doing here? See, what would be, what would be the point of coming together? We you know, talked Wednesday night and then Scott brought up uh, the idea that you know, if, if, if you're saved, you know, it would be easy to just use that for an occasion to the flesh. Well, I'm saved, Jesus is continually washing me. But we understand that's not the heart of God. I believe that there's in the heart of God there, there's a, that God so loved us that he, he, he sets us free, He heals us, He washes us from sin, He forgives us, but there's a place that He wants us to walk with Him. There's a place in which He wants to be glorified. There's a place in which He wants His purpose to be fulfilled. There's a place that we are to have a fellowship with Him and go past just being mere little children. Do you know little children? I was watching the children running around up here doing worship. They're not worshiping yet. They're cute. They look really good, but it's still all about them. Grace is having a great time because it's new. And it's, she thinks everybody's looking at her, which we are. But she's missing the point. So she could actually, as she grows up in a better relationship with the Lord, actually think she's missing her relationship with the Lord. Because the cuteness is going to fade away. The little baby Jesus in the manger is going to fade away. And you're going to have an ugly brown man standing before you. 
you read Isaiah, that's what it says in the translation. Have you read that in the... Uh, what's your translation? Yeah. The Aramaic, that's what it means. And no longer is the cuteness going to be there. And the affection, the natural sympathy, the natural affection wades, and we now have to enter into a spiritual relationship. And these two are contrary one to another. You cannot have human sympathy and have the compassion of the Lord. You cannot have the love of God and be sympathetic to your own life. Jesus said you're going to have to choose one or the other. And many times we would try to remain children running around, running around the front of the church and wondering how come we're not cute anymore. Have you looked in the mirror? I think it's God's plan that your cuteness wears off. Because many times I think we as little children get tossed to and fro by our own emotions. But we also get caught up with them. And many times we don't understand as God's trying to draw us, we're going to have to leave some things behind. Forgetting those things which are behind. Flee youthful lust. Flee the attention. Flee it's all about you. Worship is all about Him. Now as we're singing these songs, this is a comment to the worship team and to all of us. We need to start changing the course of our worship. Most of our songs is like what we're doing for the Lord. That's not the gospel message. We need to be singing, for lack of a better word, hymns and spiritual songs that are saying who Jesus is and what He's done and who He is and what He's doing instead of I'm drawing close to the Lord. I have no idea. I might be dancing around, but I haven't, unless He's drawing me, unless His Holy Spirit is revealing it to me, I have no idea who, what He's doing. So our, for, our focus of worship needs to be moving towards what He is doing what He has done, and who He is. Less on me. Amen. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. What, did, what did John the Baptist say? He had a revelation. Now, revelations are good if you continue to practice them in the times of trials. Now, tr- revelations don't keep you from trials and temptation. As a matter of fact, they probably lead you into them. We probably would have never heard of John the Baptist if he just said, I ain't... I, baptizing these people in the river Jordan I got better things to do but he said when Jesus came he said he said I must decrease and he must increase and therein lies the battle which we are fighting because as we decrease something else is going to have to fill in and it's going to have to be the Lord but we need to grow no longer being children being the center of attention and thinking I'm having a good time I'm watching children you know why children are so excited about things because everything in their life is a major effort to do now I, I just I watch this and that's why people don't go to old folks homes and watch people you know they'll go to oh look you know at the, at the, at the, at the hospital oh look at that newborn baby and they come to school oh look at the oh, oh the kids are so cute they never say look at that old lady Isn't she really wonderful? They don't say that. Why? Now, they they are, and we should think that, and we need to honor and serve them. But there's a natural affection that works in us because everything in a child's life is new and exciting, and it takes labor to do it. How many people here thought about sitting down this morning? It's become actually... (laughs) If you have a bad back, sometimes God reminds you. But most of the time, we don't even think about what we're doing, except maybe in a bad sense. Got to get up and brush my teeth again. I got to make dinner for my husband again. I got to clean the room again. I got a few. But with a child, I was watching, I think it was Anna, getting up on the couch. 
I mean, we just go, boom. And they were like bored. It's a, it's a, it seems like, and, and in her, and in little children, and when I was young, it would seem like, I mean, things that I went through. Have you ever watched them cry? Little kids cry? It seems, and at that moment, they're living in eternity. It's like, is this and I think I'll die. And, I'll never, and we think it's going on for days. But the reality went on for about 10 seconds. But in the mind, we think, oh, it's a major trial. I don't know. No, it just, think was nothing. But in the child's mind, so here Anna is trying to get up on the couch. And it was like she's got this and she's trying. And it, it was like she, when she finally did it, I mean, she had ex- exercised a lot of effort and she finally sat on the chair and she was happy. How many people have been happy sitting on the couch lately? Yeah, yeah there we got Larry. Yeah. But as we grow, there's certain things that we learn. Now, the problem with learning is knowledge puffs up. Knowledge can cause us to disdain certain things. Knowledge can actually, and maturing, actually makes things that used to be exciting, unexciting. Well, we're not here for excitement. We're here that Jesus would be glorified in our life. I must decrease that he must increase. So I, I, I think it's great. The kids should run around, have a great time. They should try to be worshiping. And that's a place to start to get kept. But sooner or later, our job is to teach people how to be soldiers. Our job is to teach people how to die. Our job is to realize, you know, that that was cute, but it's not all about you. It's all about Jesus. And many times because we don't ever really fully grow up and have a relationship with him, and we don't let the mind of Christ and the heart of Christ be formed in us, we take the love of God and reduce it to mere human sympathy, human compassion. Even though Jesus loves me more than I can even expound on or even understand. I cannot even understand or comprehend the love that God has for me. And the Bible says it's the love that passes understanding. I take it by faith, some days better than others, but I don't understand it. I can't even really fully explain it because it's so beyond anything I understand. So many times we kind of reduce it to something I can understand. But even though Jesus loves me more than life itself, He has no sympathy or compassion on my temperaments or on my things that I like. And sometimes we go, oh, well, how come you don't have compassion? Because I love you, Jesus would say. See, how come you're not doing it? Because I love you. I don't, I mean, it's cute, Peter, what you did, but that's that's not me. It's time to grow up past that. Cuteness will not preach the gospel. Cuteness will not make soldiers. And there's a place for it. I mean, you know. But quickly, God wants to take us past that. Mm-hmm. Take me past the brazen altar. La da dee da da. Well, we got to get past that into the Holy of Holies. And in order to do that, our flesh needs to be rent. The veil of the tabernacle, what did it signify? It was the flesh. And we understand that the way of the Holy of Holies into the presence of God is now made accessible by the renting of Jesus' flesh. But Paul later says, I want to, I'm, I'm, I'm aggressively pressing into making up that which is yet lacking in the what? In the body. In the body. So that we can also enter in by the suffering of our flesh. And that needs to be understood. So many times we need to rightly divide, rightly divide the love of God and human sympathy. Actually, one can be totally against the other. Peter had a great 
love for the Lord and a great sympathy, and he actually came against the will of God. You must decrease, actually must die, and Jesus must live in us. So the love of God does not take on human characteristics. Have you ever had a problem with God about that? Why don't you ever do this to me? And if you really love me, how come I can't get you know another glass of chocolate milk? And I love that song and fiddler on the roof. If I were a rich man, la da da. I was actually singing that while I was working one day, and I started crying because I mean, I mean, if you kind of put it in in in, in the context of this poor man, he just, I mean, his heart was like, man, I really wish I didn't have to work like this. I really wish I could just be rich and take care of my family. I mean, his human situation was so bent over, and the, the movie makes it look good, but you know, peasants didn't really live that well, and. You know, he's crying out, and yet he comes to a kind of a Jewish, kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing. God had me to be poor, and he has to deal with that. And what that does in the human soul is this great upheaval. And Have you ever had any upheavals in your soul? Well, revelations will do that to you. See, revelations, dreams, visions, Joseph, may cause you some trouble. They may bring you into areas that are going to cause you to grow up. And that's what we want to talk about is growing up in Him. Forgetting some things which are behind and moving and having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus may come to the young man, Peter, and say, do you love me? Well, now I want you to walk with me. Now I'd like you to fulfill my purpose. If you do really love me, see, you'll actually become one with me. If you love me, Jesus actually said it very clearly. If you love me, you'll... He got it. You'll keep my commandments. What? Eat my sheep? Oh, yeah. No, it says feed my sheep too. But he says it very clearly. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. One of his commandments was to feed the sheep. Yeah. That'd be kind of like what would be the point. A lot of people just want to love Jesus and they don't really care about the sheep. Sheep are smelly. And somewhere along the line, like I said, I, I, I deal with rugs, I deal with wool products, and I love the smell of wool. I, I, when they get wet, I, I, just, I, can, I can almost smell a rug. And most people think that the smell of a wet sheep is like, you know, somewhere along the line, we're going to have to fall in love with God's work. Your taste may have to be changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So feed my sheep. See, now again, if I just want to be a child... Feeding sheep? I just want to love Jesus. Well, if you love me, keep my commandments. Feed my sheep. You're going to have to fall in love with the sheep just as much as Jesus did. And what did it cost Jesus to fall in love with the sheep? His life. Do you know Jesus didn't get married? Do you know Jesus didn't become a king on this earth? Do you know that Jesus had to obey his mother and father? Do you know that Jesus didn't drink wine? Do you know that Jesus had to have long hair? Somebody say amen. amen. Yeah, I mean, am I right, Don? Okay. Because there was a purpose in God. Do those things matter? No, no. Yeah, they really do. Yeah, they really do if, if God's speaking to you. See, now, if God's not speaking to you, you'll find that most things in your life don't matter. If you have a lot of things in your life that God can't or hasn't or will not speak or it doesn't matter, 
God's not very interested in you. See, my wife takes almost an annoying interest in me. Yeah. She's concerned about how I look. Yeah. And I'm glad because somebody's got to take care of me. Now, I don't want to use that as a cop-out, but I do. I'm glad that I'm well taken care of. It gets to be annoying sometimes. But she so loves me that she keeps my commandments. Isn't that what the whole marriage thing is about? That you'll become one and you'll love, honor, obey, till death do you part. Well, the idea is like you're going to give up your life and become one. Oh, does that sound like any other covenant that we have? That they may be one even as you and me are, Father. Oh, that God is going to take very particular interest in you. He's going to care how your hair is combed this morning. And no matter how good a job I do combing my hair, the love of God always finds out that the back isn't combed. Now, there used to be a time that I'd get mad at that because I really tried. If you're living under the law and you've tried, you have a right to get mad. That's what the Bible says. If, you, if you're living under the law, you deserve your wages. You deserved your tried hard. Maybe you weren't $20 an hour, but at least you get 15 But the law says you get nothing. Now, if you're laboring under the law, you're going to find this and see if there's any of this that rises up in you, because this is what Romans 7 is about. If you're still condemned, if you haven't let Jesus nail to the cross in His body, in His what? His body. What I'm talking about is the bodily functions that God's concerned about. If he hasn't nailed it to the body, in his body on the cross, you have some handwriting and ordinances and condemnation that come against you. And you're going to tell that you're still laboring under the law, you're still living in the old man, when you start to argue, fight, be justified, and disobey. David, feed my sheep. Started a long time before Jesus got here. The principles are the same. And unless we, if we do not exercise faith, we will never be able to hear God, never be able to see the principles at work because we're not expecting Him to do this certain thing. We only have Him in like, God needs to move. That's what the Pharisees, God has to be just like this. Now, if you, uh, you couldn't actually say anything wrong about what they were saying. Actually, you know what Jesus said to the people? What the Pharisees tell you to do, do it, because they're speaking the right thing. Their hearts are just so wax hard, they don't even understand what they're speaking. And we can be so limited by even our concept of the Word of God that we miss God moving, because He's trying to grow us up. Have you noticed Hannah doesn't run around with the kids? It, it, there's a reason. Now, she would as a teacher, you know, and from time to time she might do it, but she doesn't because she's growing up. I mean, it's nice being able to sit next to her and worship and you know, she's entering the sign language and things like that. And that's nice. You know. But there's a reason. You know, hopefully you should grow up and realize that there's more to walking with Jesus than you getting all the attention. And you know, sitting on the couch is not the big whoop-de-doo that it used to be. You know, even eating isn't the big... I mean, have you ever watched kids eat? It's this major production taking a bath. Everything's a major production. It lasts for eternity. But pretty soon. And then, you know, actually some of the blessings that we actually have in this life get to not be so much fun as you get older. You know, as you get older, you have to watch what you eat a lot more. Yeah. 
Watch it. Don't eat it. <laughs> and that, that, that's just a hint. One of, the, one of the best ways, not best ways, one of the, eating is so much fun that sometimes if you just feed other people, you can get enjoyment out of it. I mean, one of the best, if you don't, can't eat yourself, make somebody something and give them to eat. Let them get fat, not you. So when talking about the love of God, not being confused with human sympathy, not being confused with emotional excitement or things, it's a sense of loving God and understanding how the love of God works. Love of God has nothing to do with your temperament or what you like or what you think. And that's where I must decrease. And see, Paul... John had that revelation. He said, and it's a good thing to have a good statement of faith. It's good to speak out. In, we don't speak out in faith enough because, you know what? We've actually learned some things. The Bible says you'll be ensnared by the words of your mouth. Sometimes we don't speak things because we know that once they're out there, they're out there. And if we're still living under the law, we wouldn't want to be a hypocrite because someone might say, well, you were just, you know, you were talking live by faith and now look at you. That's not me anymore. That's sin that dwells in me. Thank you for instructing me. I'll turn away from that instead of trying to justify. But many times we, we just don't allow that being grafted word to take place or have control in our life and we remain as children. And so John the Baptist, although he said, I must decrease and he must increase, when the decrease came, he was tried a little bit in his own soul. He's going, uh, wait a minute, I'm in prison for a long time. You know, I used to be, I was baptizing people, yelling at them, telling them to repent. People are coming from miles. I was making the front page. Now, I don't know how much he went through of that, but I'm sure he had a soul just like me. And when you think you're in the spotlight, little kids, you might actually think God's using you. No, he's just having grace on you right now because you're a baby. And you have to express yourself like that. But John, I am using you, but I'm going to actually use you even more. I'm going to take your head off. Uh, go, go talk to that man I baptized. Find out if he's really the Messiah. I mean, I don't mind this decreasing, but this is a little, this is over, this is over the top. Jesus then speaks of John the Baptist, saying, of prophets born of women, there's not one greater than John the Baptist. Yeah. And I think John's got his head on right now. You know, when we go to be in heaven, I think, you know, I think there's going to be some stories to swap. Do you have any good stories? Yeah, I hope so. you have a better one than my head was taken off for Jesus? Well, I think we should, we should run towards making up that suffering. I don't want to be one of the, the wimps in heaven. You know, kind of, oh, I was, yeah, you should have seen the Nero. He whipped us, and they did this in Turkey, and this was in China. Boy, in America, I gave up everything. What did you do? Well, I tithed. <laughs> There's going to be a little Whipple Street. Yeah, I think there's a place for that. Being able to have a people of faith that are able to speak boldly. Instead of shying back, we should be pressing in to the call of God. Pressing into to speaking some things. I need to de decrease. I need to decrease. And I want the love of God to so involve me that, that he's he's, he actually takes great concern about what I my bodily functions. I'm just going to use that because it kind of sounds gross. 
And I think many times we don't want to look at that because that's really where it does get gross, is having to deal with real people. You know, Jesus would have had a great time discipling people from heaven. He would have had a great time being, you know, the Lord in heaven. But when Jesus came to earth, something transpired. God made him a body. And it was God in the body. It was God dwelling in flesh that was the gospel message. It was God living in flesh and not only condemning sin. He didn't condemn sin in the Spirit. Do you know that? God does not didn't condemn sin in the Spirit. It's that He condemned sin in the flesh. What we do in this body is what I'm doing in the Spirit. And if we do not hear the commandments of God and fall in love with them, somewhere along the line, I've got to love lanolin. Does everybody know what lanolin is? It's Don, tell us what lanolin is. It's sheep fat. That's why they call it lanolin. You wouldn't, and you know, this, this shampoo's got lanolin in it. You wouldn't say, and use the sheep fat on your hair. Nobody would buy it. But it's, oh, lanolin. You're going to have, and that's what has the smell to it. But they probably extract the smell. Because we're, we're, we're being taught to be sterile people. We're taught to be moderate people. We're taught to be people that have no extremes. Do you know what a shepherd smells like? He smells like a sheep. Do you know why? That's where he's been all day. What smell do you have? The Bible says all God's children got a smell. Even the devil's children got a smell. Well, the Bible says we either have a smell of life or a smell of death. We, we have a stench. But I believe that if we... If we're going to be doing what God says, we should smell like the sheep. You've got to love the sheep. And we, we, don't we love those stories about the shepherd and he, when he found the lost sheep, he threw that sheep over his shoulders and came home. Did he smell that night? His wife said, what have you been doing? Taking care of the sheep. Been taking care of... What do you smell like? When I mean that, I said, what is your actions like the sheep? Are you identified so much with the sheep that you smell like them, look like them, some of you eat like them? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what God wants to do. You can't be a shepherd and not love the sheep. You couldn't be my Savior without loving me. Not loving my flesh. Not loving my temperaments of what I think He should do. But he has a purpose for me. And that purpose needs to be worked out. And the only way he can touch you is in your bodily functions. See, I know my wife loves me because she takes care of me in the flesh. Did you notice how I'm dressed today? Did you notice I am dressed today? Now, again, see, again, that's something not, that's, how many people remember having a lot, tie your shoes? I mean, we don't even remember it because it would seem like such a painful experience of, oh, I'll never get this. You probably learned it in a matter of a couple of short days, if not a day. But it was like, okay, make the rabbit here. He goes, oh, you know, and it's like, oh. But now, I mean, kids have to get their diaper. I mean, it's an ordeal. They change their diaper. You throw it as a way. You powder them down. You dress them. It's a whole ordeal. But pretty soon, that ordeal is going to go. And they just, time to get dressed. They get dressed. Well, someone should hopefully be around to tell you, oh, my wife found out I didn't, I didn't, this was a funny shirt. 
It's not my fault. My top button wasn't buttoned up for under my tie. So even though I did a good job dressing myself after she picked out everything that I was to wear, she said, you didn't button your shirt. I said, oh, it wasn't my fault. It was a stupid shirt. Yes, I did. Yeah, that's the first response. That's the first response. And many times we have that same response. Maybe like Saul. I did the will of God. Let me, let me just tell you right now. No, you didn't. And no matter what you do, you've fallen short. And the love of God makes up for righteousness in our flesh falling short. But he also has another work with that love. He's going to come and tell you. Remember, we talked about the Holy Spirit. The job is to convict you. Yes, he, he doesn't, and he usually doesn't say, and Christy didn't preface the whole thing like this, oh, Victor? You know, she might have had to do that at one time. Um, Victor, you know, you did an excellent job of dressing yourself. You picked the right belt. I mean, I picked out my, the, the brown shoes, right? Yeah, I picked, and she didn't even tell me that. I picked out, she didn't go through this whole, I'm, I want to tell you, you're really doing well. You look, I mean, your hair is about 98% there. Uh, you know, your shirt matches. But there's one doesn't ever say that. You know what she went for? Right for the jugular. Didn't see any of the good that I had done all morning. Didn't realize that I got my pants on right. Didn't realize that I did a good job shaving. Didn't realize I got deodorant on. Didn't realize I used aftershave. Didn't have it. Now, she probably realized that, but let me tell you something. We don't care about the good you're doing. The Holy Spirit's going to come and say, you didn't button your shirt. Now, at that point, what is that? It's called the love of God. It's not condemnation. It's not, I can't do anything right. It's not, you're nagging on me. You're always finding fault. That's the old man speaking. That's the one under the law seeking to be justified by his self. But the, man, the new man, Christ, will respond to instruction and say, thanks, I needed that. Let me now change my thinking on that point. Now, I may not button my shirt from time to time, or I might not ever get that right. And that's not what we're talking about. Say, sometimes we actually think, I used to do this. You know, I'm going to get her this week. And have, maybe, have, you ever, have you ever been motivated by that kind of love? I'm going to show them. They want me to be obedient. I'm going to be so obedient. It makes them sick. Work probably till lunch. I'll button my shirt. They never notice that. The only person that hurts is you. That is not the love of God. The love of God will be hearing instructions saying, okay, I got it. And being able to continuously hear instruction. Not getting to the point of being perfect See, a lot of times we're aiming for the wrong perfection. We're aiming to the perfection to say, back off, you can't touch, you can't do anything to me, I've got it down. And Paul actually said he attained to the righteousness of the law, perfect, blameless. And you know what God still did? Found some fault in Paul. Because it's not, we're not looking for our own righteousness. We're not looking for perfection under the law. We're looking for the heart of let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, that the love of God can actually deal with your bodily functions. Now, there's some places that it's okay not to button your top buttons. But I don't live there. I have beautiful Pakistani clothes that I like to wear and that you roll up the sleeves. They're meant to be wrinkled, you know. India and Pakistan have elevated sloppiness to an art. 
You don't have to iron in Pakistan. You'll stand out if you do. I always tell Christy, don't, you, you don't have to iron it. It's okay. Well, aren't you glad? You know. But when in Pakistan, I don't look like this. I look like this. But I don't look like this. I put on the unbuttoned top button. Christy understands that she, you know, she doesn't yell at me in Pakistan for having the button unbuttoned. I hope this is making sense to you. Sometimes we can be so caught up in a thing, we actually miss the conviction of God. Hello, Pharisees. Yeah. So we want to find, we want to be able to hear instruction. Where? In the bodily functions. So does the bodily functions actually matter? Yes, but in themselves, no. Because in Pakistan, they will be unbuttoned. And in Wickenburg, they will be buttoned. So the question is, do we button or unbutton? Some of us need to button up a little more. <laughs> and so. All right. So Ephesians chapter 4. Many times we, we fail to realize these things because we're caught up. We're caught up with our own affinities. We're caught up with our own emotions. We're still trying to be children, getting an excitement out of things that have ended their excitement and have meant to be ended their excitement years ago. And now he wants us to come to know him. Do you love me, Peter? The excitement's kind of gone now in that, in that childish way. And he understands what it's going to cost him. My bodily functions. My real life. There's some things that I, order, in order to be furnished or equipped or made perfect, as, he, as Ephesians talks about, I need to adapt. I need to start smelling like sheep. And you know that each shepherd, and I didn't, I, I worked on a dairy farm when I was a young kid, 14, 15 years old. And Holstein cows, you know what Holstein cows are, the black and white ones? Have you ever seen a field of Holstein cows? Do they all look the same to you? This guy, we were milking, we missed milk 100 cows every, every morning and every night. So, there was 100 cows that we milked, plus all the ones that weren't milked. And every morning he would go in and he'd start telling me the names of the cows. And I said, oh, come on, you can't tell the difference. He says, go ahead. And each cow had a number on it. And he said, that's Mary. I said, yeah, what number? 622. He could tell each Holstein. To me, they all looked alike. He knew his cows. They didn't look alike to him. They knew how many buckets of grain to give them each time they came in. They knew which ones had mastitis, which ones didn't. They knew which one had special needs. They, everything they knew. What's that? Yeah, special needs cow. Moo. Jesus says his sheep know his voice, and he knows his sheep. I think there's a personal... Now, if he went to another farm, he would not know those cows. They would just be Holsteins. He'd know the general principles. General principles are good. I mean, he could probably get a good job milking, running a milk parlor, fell on, fell on, but he would not know the cows. God wants us to have a relationship with him. And those cows knew the master's voice. They were trained to hear and respond to them, not to somebody else. And we are to be adapted and adapt ourselves to what God is doing 
in this milk parlor. I don't know number 74. I know Dariush. I know Micah. Speaking of special need cows. <laughs> now I was talking about Micah. <laughs> but will we respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and start growing up? Because in Ephesians 4, that's what it talks about. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of darkness. There's some good things to learn. They're learning how to worship. They're learning how to be... Actually, they're learning how to be ridiculed. They're learning how to be corrected. They're learning how to be, you know, get over their embarrassment in front of everybody. It'd be nice if we could do that a little bit more. A lot of times we're embarrassed. And how many people here threw a fit like Anna did right on the floor when her mom was trying to help her? But how many of us go home and do that? Now, I'm not saying throw a fit in church. <laughs> but there's got to be a place to let the Holy Spirit deal with us. To begin to grow up. But in, in Ephesians chapter 4, and see again, are we going to embrace the teaching of the Lord? Because the Bible says, Jesus actually tells his disciples, go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them what, you have, what I've taught you. At some point, if I do not really love those cows... If I don't really love the sheep, I'm not going to pick it up and put it on my shoulders. I, I, when I go home, I wash myself. I don't want to smell like those cows. I go, come on, sheep, come on. No, there's got to be... I, Jesus identifies with us. He identified so much with us that He became sin that we might be the righteousness of God. There's not a separation He's not embarrassed or ashamed to be called our brethren. And he had a lot of reason. And that, the, disciple, the Pharisees actually played on that. They'd always catch the disciples doing something, at least in their mind, wrong. And he says, who do you think you are hanging out with these guys? Don't you know who she is? And he was so identified, but he's not ashamed to be called our brethren. Sometimes we're ashamed of the Lord. Therefore, we're ashamed of his work. Therefore, the work of God never is fulfilled in us and we remain hard-hearted and we do not respond to the conviction of the Lord or the direction that God's having for us because we really can't be perfect. See, I am never going to match up to Christie's expectation of me. She's never going to match up to my expectation. And that's why a lot of people have fights in their marriage. That's why a lot of people have divorces is because they have an expectation that God never intended there to be there. Now, somehow, like again, when we're young and we're children, that kind of gets us to get married. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at that man. He's so wonderful. I know he's just going to be the Ken doll. Now, I, I talked to my wife years ago about this. I, I finally realized, now, women kind of grow up, their, their bodies change and stuff like that, but men kind of, we just, uh, we're kind of like that. We don't really change a whole lot. Our voices get a little deeper. We get, you know, beards and stuff like that. But women kind of like, they're once like, Nymphs or what are these things like, you know, and they actually change and become like a whole other person. Men, we kind of remain nymphs and get like bigger nymphs. Now, I'm not nymph. You know, that's an insect word. It's not a, it's not a weird word. It's, it's like a grasshopper. They, they're, they're not a larva. They're a nymph. And they, okay, I know what I'm talking about. People looking at me like, what's he talking about? Look at me like that. Now you made me forget what I was going to talk about. But he says, so many, but God uses that. See, and I told Christy, you know, they actually change somewhat physically, but they, they're, 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 they don't really change. You, if you're married, this is what you've become. 
you become a living Ken doll. So now instead of, does anybody know what a Ken doll is? Never had one, don't advocate getting one. But it's the kind of the same deal. They dress Ken. They comb Ken's hair. They Ken, oh, Ken takes nice care of his wife. And Ken is like this. And you ever look at Ken? I'm not Ken. <laughs> but some, it doesn't matter. She's looking at me like, there he is. That's Ken. First off, he's the wrong color. My hair would never be like Ken's hair. I wouldn't pick the clothes. And, and again, Ken is only her personification. See, Ken is like, oh, Christy, I love you. Let me pull the chair. Let me do this. I am make, see, this is... And then now we get married, and no longer am I Victor Bedoyan. I'm Ken. Hi, you're going to wear this. You're going to do this. Don't you love me, Ken? I'm Victor. There's this whole thing that goes on. Now, we as men kind of have the same thing. I didn't want a Barbie. But we still have our own ideas. And Barbie was going to say, as you, when you came home, Oh, Ken. I know you've had a hard day, and I just, I've just been waiting for you for hours. And we think that she is going to meet every one of your needs. And he is going to meet every one of your needs. Have you been disappointed yet? Good, you're, you're getting out of some childish, stupid stuff that God never intended for you to have. Now, she should be a helpmeet. He needs to be the head of the home. But they're not Ken and Barbie. There's certain needs that only the Lord is going to meet. There's certain needs only the church is going to meet. And you and her ain't going to work it out. And the more you do, the worse it's going to get. So I let her play Ken. okay, but she's gotten over that. Not having any hope in it. But you know, sometimes they just can't help themselves. But we're not having, see, and sometimes we put some hope in people's flesh and we're disappointed and we think we've been let down by the Lord. No, you've been let down by your wrong expectations. Your wife didn't let you down. Barbie did. Cinderella did. Rapunzel. Anybody know Rapunzel? Okay. Yeah. That's why you should have long hair. You save somebody's life sometimes. <laughs> anyway, I'm putting some comments in there. This is news and commentary. So, Ephesians chapter 4. We're being, per- made, we're being perfected. And as I'm reading that, in chapter 12, we're for the perfecting. Now, that word really is furnishing or equipping, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished. Now, I thought of that, you know, if you look that up, it's like, I think, a furnishing like a house. But have you ever gone, like, to a, uh, what, are the, what are the famous Outback store? They got Campbell's or, what's the name of that? Cabela's. Cabela's. Campbell's. They have 57 varieties. But, no, Cabela's, they're a furnisher. If you're going hiking, they will furnish you with what you need to go hiking for. Now, you could be a hiker and not be furnished. Now, Paul, in, in, in 2 Timothy, we'll, we'll keep our finger there, there's a lot, lot there. 2 Timothy instructs Timothy in a certain manner. It was really nice when, when Ty was here. Ty joined the Marines. Again, he probably had some ideas of what the Marines would do for him. 
He didn't know what they would do to him. But in their doing, it fulfilled what the Marine's purpose was. See, Ty or anybody has a different purpose in marriage, in church, in the Lord, in worship. That's why we need to be singing about what he's done to focus us back. You know, he wanted to get an education. He wanted this. He wanted that. He wanted that. And they never tell you at the induction center, I'm guessing I never went, that they're going to beat you senseless. <laughs> they're going to make you wish you were never born. He actually said, how many people did they catch going AWOL? And these people were so dumb, they went to McDonald's and got caught. There's another reason why you shouldn't eat at McDonald's. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but yeah, so I was thinking about time, and the only he came back and he actually thanked me for being mean to him. I made him do 100 push-ups one time for being tied out in the sun one time. And he said, well, he said that was nothing. He said, but as, as they were making him do 200 push-ups, or something, he was throwing up so bad, he said all he could remember is, thank God for Mr. Bedoyan. I felt so bad. I should have made him do 1,000. <laughs> yeah, some of the things will maybe come back. I'm sure he wasn't thinking that when I was making him do 100. He never thought, thank God for Mr. Bedoyan, this guy really loves me. <laughs> I want to, oh boy, you know, I just want to thank him for doing this. He probably had some other thoughts. Yeah. Might be why he's not here. But God's faithful. God had someone meaner than Mr. Bedoyan. And, and you know what's really sad? It wasn't for the purpose of God. And guess what? Ty did it. And you know what really great? I probably came out smelling good somewhere. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, what are we talking about? Second Timothy, chapter 2. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Jesus Christ. When we hear that, we get a picture, don't we? It's what I want from the Marines. I want to be strong in the grace of God. How many people here have ever wanted to fast 40 days? For about the first half day. I fasted 40 days every day of my life. And then I realized, oh, you mean that's not eating? <laughs> I used to tell people in, in Turkey, because they have Ramadan, and they, would, they fast from sundown, sun up to sundown, and then they eat. But it goes on for 30 days. But I mean, so in the wintertime, if it's in the wintertime, they might miss a meal and a half, and they're like, oh, man, they're, you know, they can't, they're just going through it. And, and then the bell rings. They, the, they, uh, they do the, the call to prayer. And then everybody, man, like, ah, they're eating like, I'm going, man, this is unbelievable. And it's from sun, sun up to sundown. They call that a fast for 30 days. And I, I, I've told them, well, yeah, we, we, I fast as a, as a Christian, but not, not like that. And I said, well, sometimes I fasted for three days, and we just didn't eat anything for three days. They said, no, you mean just from, Mar no, I said, we didn't eat anything for three days. I said, one time I went for two weeks. Nah, you mean just, no, no, no. See, so diff different con concepts of what we want. But sometimes when we hear some things, the little child in us is enough to get us in trouble. And I think God actually uses that because most of us probably wouldn't be married, have kids, if we weren't deceived. There's a youthful deception that gets us into trouble. And that's probably a good thing to a point. But then it needs to also be coupled with maturity and, and elders and fathers and people in the church that keep us from making mistakes. But sometimes we read these things and we say, we want the, we want the few, the proud, the Marines. And I look at that man in that suit 
And I go, I can do that. I can wear a suit. Everybody will look at me thinking I'm like Ken. They won't know. Well, before you're Ken, you have to become mud. So sometimes we read that, and therefore be strong in the grace that's in Jesus Christ. And we hear that, and we're the guy in the enlistment poster. Yeah, I can be strong in the grace. Grace, grace, grace. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. What Now, in order to do that, what's he going to have to do? We, we talk about what? Become like Paul. But what were we talking about just this morning? He's got to love the instruction. There's no way he can even begin to have this conversation till there's an understanding that click, this is what I'm falling in love with. I want to be a Marine! You think he believes that? When he's throwing up? He said, they, 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 they press these guys so much, people are just throwing up and go to the hospital and everything. Why? Are they mean? No. They are preparing him for the work that he has to do. And he's saying, I want to be a Marine. Actually, Gomer Pyle said that. <laughs> I want to be a Marine, sir. You're going to have to love that. You know, and actually, when Ty came back, he talked like a Marine. I don't know if you noticed that. He wasn't always the most respectful child. I mean, especially after you know him and stuff, and you know, you him do 100 push-ups. Yes, sir. Yes, Mr. Bedoyan. Can I get that for you, sir? You're welcome, sir. Thank you, Mr. Bedoyan. Going, what'd you do with Ty? <laughs> His drill sergeant killed him. You have a drill sergeant, not a commander. The president never came down and told Ty what to do. He probably wouldn't have. That's okay, you don't have to do that. <laughs> but the drill sergeant, he's going to do something. So in order, first off, to be prepared for what God has for us, we have to first realize God has a preparation. And it's usually not going to be you on the recruiting poster. It's for another purpose. And we're going to have to fall in love with that purpose. And in order to, do, in order to be a teacher of those things that you've heard, you first don't have to make them yours. You have to love them. So even though I don't do them perfectly and I'm continually needing training, you can I have fallen in love with Christie's nagging. And I'm saying don't nag your husband because my wife doesn't nag me. But it could be, you know, my bag, I try to go my... No, the old man has to die. And the new man needs to be risen up in another purpose. I'm going to have to fall in love with what God has called me to. Other than, if not, then the things which you've heard about, you know, that drill sergeant, he's an idiot. I don't like what he says. You're never going to be a Marine. You're going to go AWOL and eat at McDonald's. And you're going to get caught. How dumb is that? And I guess when those guys got caught, they wished they had never gone to McDonald's. Yeah, nice stories. Okay, and those things which you've heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit down to faithful men who shall be able to teach others. We want people that smell like sheep, that love to smell like sheep, and have no other interest than to be sheep. 
And that's what he's going to go on here to say. You've been called. Thou therefore endure hardness as a what? As a good soldier. Now, if we've been called to be a soldier, what does that imply? There's a war going on. And most of the time we are unaware that we are in spiritual, deadly warfare. Because we're not allowing the Word of God and our drill surgeon's Word to be engrafted in me and to really take it as true. McDonald's smells a whole lot better than 300 push-ups. But if you're a soldier, if you've been called to be a soldier, you're going to endure some hardness. You're going to be throwing up from time to time. You're going to be punished from time to time. Because when you land on the beach, you may survive. Because we are in war. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life. If we've been called as soldiers, I must decrease. Ty is not going to be the Mr. Mouth. Oh, drill sergeant, you can't. Go ahead, try to make me do that. He never once said that to his drill sergeant. Because we probably wouldn't have seen him again. If you've been called to be a soldier and we are engaged in warfare, your civilian life, your sympathies, your natural affections, your wanting to eat at McDonald's, your wanting to see a civilian. When Ty used to be here, or was a civilian, he could get up at any time he wants. He could choose any job he wants. And they weren't bad, but they're bad if you're called to be a soldier. When you're a soldier up at 3 o'clock, your bed's made and your pack's on, we're running twice a mile. What do you have to say? I can't hear you. <laughs> yes, sir. And we love it. And guess what? When he becomes, if he becomes a drill sergeant, guess what he's going to do? He's going to smell like the drill sergeant. He's not going to say, Sergeant Rakowski, I don't know his name, uh, he was mean to me, but I'm not going to be mean to you. You know, you guys can do whatever you want. Do a few push-ups, because I know it's going to be hard out there in the trenches, so you should be kind of in shape. They will eat you like dessert. If we've been called to be a soldier, no man that wars himself... In, now, first of all, we need to... If you, see, when Ty enlisted, he was a what? No, no. Then, after he was enlisted, what was he? But what's another? He was a soldier. But he was not furnished. He had no idea. Now, he could have been killed as a soldier. He could have been prisoned as a soldier. He was a soldier. And many times we come into the kingdom of God and we're called to be a soldier. But we have not gone through boot camp. We have not been furnished. You don't send soldiers out to the war without them being furnished, equipped, and in order to do that, the first thing you know what they need to do? They need to drive civilian life out of you. And it doesn't happen in one day. It doesn't happen in three months. And it's a continual deal. That's why they wear uniforms. They don't come in shorts. You know what the thing? Hey, Sarge, what's happening, dude? <laughs> don't do that. that. They have to drive out independence. They have to drive out the civilian life that says, I'm tired, I don't feel like doing 100 push-ups. I'll do it later. No. No. Well, what's... As a, and he, now, Paul is talking about the Roman army that made this look like nothing. You back-talk in the Roman army to your superior that was treason, you were dead. Their enlistments in the Roman army were 30 years. 
You are talking, they had short swords. The Romans were, were, were very good for short swords. That means when you got somebody, you were looking, you were covered with blood. Yeah. Oh, well, you see, things are different nowadays. You know, Obama's going to do it for you. <laughs> if we have been called as soldiers, the first thing we need to realize is that we are in war. And if you are a soldier, the first thing that, and the last thing that needs to be driven out that continually creeps up in you is civilian life. I want to do what I want to do. There's nothing wrong with doing this. There's nothing wrong. Yes, there is. You've been called. And just because you've been called doesn't mean you've been trained. Now that I probably probably the, the drill sergeant said, now that you've enlisted, you're mine. They didn't know what that meant. They would come to know what that meant. No man at wars, if you're in, you're in war, entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that what? That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. We're here to please the Lord Jesus Christ. We're here to love him, to keep his command. We're here that, that our self-life would decrease and he would increase. And it's not happening at the White House. It's happening in boot camp, which would be another name for the church. And it's not happening by the commander-in-chief or the five-star general. You ever, you ever see the five-star generals on TV? They don't look like soldiers to me. They look a little wussy, some of them. And they look... And I think that's what most people think. Oh, I want to be a soldier. I want to be five-star general. No, we're uh, handling the thing in Afghanistan pretty well. We're sending, you know, 20,000 troops more over there, and it sounds real good. But then you look at the pictures of Afghanistan, it looks different than what he's talking about. God's going to send and has sent and is working by the Holy Spirit and by His plan to make furnished, equipped, mature, resilient, hard, Jesus-loving soldiers out of the recruits. And how's He going to do that? Well, He's sending drill sergeants. Ephesians 4. And He's going to give some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. That's just to name a few goes on many other places. He puts elders, fathers, rulers, brothers, leaders. For what reason? To drive civilian life out of you. To, to have you decrease and say, do you love me? Then will you comb your hair right? Will you button your shirt? Yeah, but you didn't see all of that. Now, none of the Marines ever do that. But Sarge, I already, I already peeled 20,000 potatoes. 20,000 more. But I already was good in Potiphar's house. I, I told the truth. I really didn't do anything wrong. I know, son. But there's a war going on. And I have a purpose you don't know anything about. And if I revealed it to you, you still wouldn't get it and you'd run away. Warfare. And it's going to deal with you as he dealt with Jesus in this life. Jesus did not overcome sin in the spirit. He overcame sin in the flesh. And as he 
buffeted his body and kept his body under. Not only did he was victorious as the Son of God, more importantly for us, he became obedient as a Son of Man. And dying in the body and raising again from the dead, he was able and had the right and the power to take the gate keys of death, hell, and the grave and raise because he was always victorious as the Son of God. But our redemption relied on the fact that he becoming victorious as the Son of Man. And the world's salvation and God's purpose is in you is not required only as in the spirit, but in the flesh, we also should suffer and arm ourselves with that same mind. And we are not allowing that equipping. Pick up that gun! I love those movies. You must love the work of God. It's going to change your mind. Now let me just close. But since we didn't get to... I have all kinds of scriptures. You don't fall in love. Love is an act of the will. It's something I choose. It's an act of faith. God didn't fall in love with me because I was so cute. He determined to love me. You must determine to love God, love His things, love His church, love His people, love His work, love His administration in your life. Is there anybody here that has never loved their wife? I should see every hand up in the flesh. Yeah. Well, some, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you, a lot of times we think a lot of things. Yeah, then we're really in love. Yeah, yeah. Is that, like, is that a hint? <laughs> yeah. Or we can choose to say by faith, I'm no longer a civilian in my own life. How many people love khaki? I love khaki, they say. They choose the color. That we choose, we choose to love God's work. And it's an act of laying down my life and saying, This is what God has. Barbie is an illusion. Remember, we talked about illusions. Ken's an illusion. Your idea of the church was an illusion. What your husband or church was going to do for you was an illusion. What the, church, what the Lord was going to do was an illusion. We thought by now, it was the third day, we thought he'd definitely get rid of the Romans. They were heartbroken. Well, love is going to break your heart. And then it wants to break your soul so that we can respond to the Lord as He responded to us, that He loved the unlovely. And He wants a church that smells like Him. He wants a church that says, you've been called to be a soldier. Your life belongs to me. Please me. And in the body... And in our fleshly reactions, that's where wars are won. That's where Jesus condemned sin. That's where people see you. And that's where God wants to mold you. And you should not have the right to say, I don't want to be molded like that. I don't see that. So let's let God's word have its way in us. And as we're speaking here, let, you know, let our, the eyes of our understanding be open and start hearing what God's speaking to us and voluntarily fall in love with the message of the Lord. Amen? Amen, Amen. Lord Jesus. <clears throat> we just gonna, I'm going to say thank you for the lunch today. Hallelujah. Because I was looking down there. That's a good lunch. And we just know Barbie really loves us today. <laughs> 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 I 
Lord Jesus, just bless this time and the word that you've given to us. Bless our fellowship around lunch today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.